0: There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time, known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth, revealing emotion, Strengthening their self-awareness and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome to The Woke Man, ladies and gentlemen, where we make men woke. Actually, no, we don't. They are already awakening. They're awakening the giant within. This is just the greatest case study on man, on the conscious man, to see what it took these conscious men to shift and to share their journey, to share their message with those who are yet to take that leap or to... Walk that path, and I'm here with my brother, who we've actually had a beautiful journey together many years ago, meeting you in California, and that is Asher Phoenix, my man. How are you?
1: Fantastic! That was beautiful intro you had there.
0: Thank you, brother. I'm getting
1: a little emotional. I'm getting a little emotional already thinking about our friendship, man. Good.
0: Let's talk about that for a little bit, man, because it's such an interesting one. Like it was at, I would say it was at the pinnacle part of the start of my conscious, like the pinnacle moment of my conscious journey. And that was when uh, my ex-girlfriend and I, Haley, we decided to go and do a trip from Canada and we're living over there in our van for a couple of months. And we went all the way down the coastline, the highway one down to California and a coffee shop that I really wanted to see because I was working in coffee then. Was um the like the literally the I'm gonna say this was one of the main reasons why I really really wanted to go to California was to go to Cat and Cloud Coffee because I was listening to their podcast at the time and into coffee balls deep in it and we got to um, Santa Cruz the creation center of Cat and Cloud we went to Santa Cruz we pulled in it was an afternoon like four in the Arvo. And we finally got to Cat and Cloud and we're like, we don't give a shit. Let's go there now. Let's go get a coffee. And Haley and I rolling on in there and then boom, this beaming light of man at the counter descended upon the heavens himself, served us. And that was you, man. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful part of our the, the very start. And I mean... how did you remember that the you know the experience that we sort of became friends and then you know how do you sort of see what happened after all that
1: wow well you caught me in a really interesting place in my life there because I was sweeping coffee grounds you know six hours a day and talking to people and making coffee and doing dishes and all that stuff and it just wasn't really what I wanted to do Um, I loved work I loved working in coffee and and getting to meet people and to meet people like you, I I fell in love with y'all instantly because friendships like yours have really helped me grow in so many different ways. And they catch me off guard so much. Like, I'm not kidding you, man. It's funny that we're doing this today because I made a friend today that was a similar kind of synchronicity and divinity in it and so much joy and sparks and love and consciousness in it that just is blowing me away so to talk about friendship is is really cool Mm -hmm. but I was in a in that place in my life I was really really diving deep and I didn't have a lot of friends at that time in Santa Cruz so isolated a lot and in that time starting my meditation practice and getting deep into it which opened up my whole world of yeah. like what reality is and who i am you know mm.
0: it was interesting that, that's, it, it that's, was that's... a beautiful period because like it's, it was funny because as soon as we met you we we're just like man this dude is awesome and we just started chatting and just had an instant connection you know and then we ended up uh staying in in uh santa cruz for a little bit and we caught up again we went out and you took us out to like in your volkswagen van you took us to like thrift shops and then you took us down yeah. to, like, you really just, like, showed us around, and it was so awesome. And then you took us to a, a creek, and we camped by that until, like, 2 o'clock in mm-hmm. the morning because we got, you know, moved on by the rangers because we weren't allowed to be camping where we were. Um, yeah. You know, so we shared so many beautiful experiences in such a short time. And then we were back, ca- caught up in San Luis Obispo, where we were at the park having a picnic, cooking, you know, in the park, just free man so free and so wild talking about i mean we'll get into this and your experiences but just talking about a lot about you know jesus god universe cosmos Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. made a little Mm -hmm. we made a little affirmation statement of our own you know prayer before Mm -hmm. food in that period like Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and and to think you know where we are now sitting here on opposite still opposite sides of the world but still able to have a connection deeper than we'll ever comprehend it's very interesting
2: yeah it is quite interesting yeah. mm. so Truly. brother
0: we'll start with this where where did you grow up and where do you live now
2: i grew up in porterville california which mm-hmm. is a small agricultural mm-hmm. town or you
1: could even call it a city of Fifty or 60,000 people. Um, my dad's a farmer, my mom uh, is a teacher, and yeah, I grew up in this small town with one movie theater and a bowling alley and nothing really else to do. So there's a lot of time spent with friends, and I I feel like I, I really have a gift of making friends and making good friendships, and I don't say that to my own horn, but just I'm realizing it right now, this small town where we really just had to spend time with our friends Mm. to have fun and to enjoy it. It taught me a lot and Mm. gave me that skill. Mm. Um, I grew up there, went to this just normal little high school in Central California. And then I made my way down to San Diego and I went to a private school, university down there called Point Loma Nazarene that was just amazing in my spiritual growth. It was uh, Christian-based, Christian-focused, but really was so strongly part of my spiritual path.
2: And my senior year, right before my senior year, in the summer, I was was laying in bed
1: and um, looking up at the ceiling, just getting deep into contemplation. And I just started asking myself, what do I want to do with my life? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be gone out of college. I'm going to be gone out of the, the structure of things, you know, school, then college, then do I choose a job? Do I choose a nine to five or something like that? And I wanted to know what I really wanted to do. And um, the thought of pursuing an acting career came up, which I hadn't thought since I was a little kid. And so much joy came up in my heart. And I couldn't sleep that night. I was so excited because mm-hmm. I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. And how I see it now is maybe just an artistic life because I I don't care if acting is the only thing I do, but just pursuing a creative and artistic life that's making things beautiful for other people, something like mm-hmm. that. Anyways, I finished uh, finish college down there with a psych degree. And I moved to Santa Cruz for a little bit just to sort out my life and kind of take a pause. And I ended up moving to LA six months into living in Santa Cruz. And I've been in LA for two and a half years.
0: Mm, And you went there to pursue an acting career, right?
2: I did. I'm still doing it. I I do improvisational acting Mm. and making short films and things like that.
0: Wow, man. I I still love that story that you were in... um... Was it in Santa Cruz where they had that uh, they had that set, set set up, and you knew of it, and you were like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna go in there and just like pretend that I'm meant to be here and, yes. and try and get on set."
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were shooting a new Transformers movie in Santa Cruz when I was living there, and I was a block away from set, and I had heard about it that it was going on, and I didn't know how to get on set. There was I didn't see a casting call or anything like that. So the day that they were started shooting, I, uh, I walked over there, you know, a block or two away from my house and I showed up and just acted like I was supposed to be there. And I got in line with the rest of the actor. <laughs> and I got up to the front of the line and there was this short um, older lady with a lot of vibrato and, and she seemed like she had a lot of power and she said name. And I said, Phoenix, and she looked down. I don't, I don't, I don't see that name here. You sure? I was like, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. Maybe there's a mistake. Uh, she, well, did you get the booking email? I knew I was caught right there, man. I knew I was caught. And I was like, no, I, I don't think I got that booking email. She looked at me. She put the paper down, and she said, "What are you doing on my set?" you are wasting my time. You need to leave the premises right now. And I just, I felt so bad. I'm I'm sorry, ma'am. I just really wanted to be on the set. And her her tone and energy quickly changed and said, it's fine, you just have to leave. And I walked past all these cool cars, transformer cars and everything, just sad. And right when I walked off, right when I walked off the set, I got a phone call to be in a commercial. So it was kind of Whoa. a really cool
0: that's funny, yeah. man.
1: I mean, I remember you telling yeah. me
0: that. I was just like, what <laughs> balls and what drive to just go in there? And, you know, you, I think it's just almost like, I don't know, I see it as like a bit of a, um, an act in itself, having to go in there to, you know, play a certain role to try and get in there. And mm-hmm. you can definitely see it's in your nature, especially creativity and, and the creative arts for sure, man. So how, how old are you now for those, for those listening?
1: I'm 24, going on 25 this summer.
0: Beautiful man, you've got
2: a—you've yeah.
0: already had such beautiful experiences. And and what are you doing for a living? Like explain, saying where you're at right now. You know, like you know, paying your way through life. What is that looking like for you?
1: Yes, I'm glad you specified paying my way through life because I was just talking with a friend today. How much I hate the question: What do you do? in LA that's the first thing you ask everybody right because people want to know well are you in acting are you a musician you know just like everybody else or are you in some weird job like finance or business I don't know you know I just I've been tired of that question for so long and I want people to be more specific like okay how do you finance your life you know so I'm glad you made that specification because if you ask me what I do well I do yoga. I meditate. I love my dog. I, you know, I do act. I make music. Um, I go on road trips, you know, I do a lot of things. Um, yeah. So that's something I've been struggling with a lot is that question of what we do and how we identify ourselves, but how I pay through my life. I know I'm a substitute teacher for elementary schools in Los Angeles. And I love it. I love kids. I really love kids mm-hmm. and so i I do that from day to day, Monday through Friday, working at different schools. There's schools that I have a close relationship with, that I get to see all the time and kids that I know you know mm-hmm. and man, they have so much joy and creativity and last year, I actually took a long term position as a kindergarten teacher for seven months, so I got to spend um seven months with 23 five-year-olds and that was a heck of a journey i'll tell you
0: that man. what was your biggest takeaway yeah. from doing that
2: so much man um but a lot of the most important
1: things we learn we learn in kindergarten we learn at five we learn how to treat other people
2: how to share um how to be present <laughs> um
1: Man, how to be present? Can I tell you a quick story about these lovely Definitely. Kindergartners? Definitely. My first day. I swear, it was my first day. I can't believe this happened my first day because it set the whole tone, man. <laughs> it was the end of the day, and at the end of the day, 5-year-olds, they need playtime or they just they have short attention spans, man. So they have they're during playtime and um there was a group of about 8 to 10 kids underneath this table by the window there's a big glass window on the side of the room underneath the table
2: i was like what are they they
1: doing over there why are they crawling underneath the table like in a circle and i went over there and not like what are you doing over there or or angry or whatever but i just got curious and i got down on my knees with them looked underneath the table and they were all mesmerized by this strip of rainbow that had light that had come through the glass and made its way down under this table. And they were just on their hands and knees, just like, look at this rainbow. And I was like, wow, yeah, look at this rainbow. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and so, man, I, th- I learned it. a lot from them. I hope they learned something from me.
0: That is you. <sighs> I learned that so is much. That, I mean, that is you to a T, though. That's exactly what you would have done. You're like... Like exactly that, you're like, Yeah, wow, look at this. That's that's the character that would have sat down and just looked at that under the glass mm. table and gone, That is beautiful. That is life. What is creating that? Yeah. You know, what's behind this beautiful natural phenomenon? Mm-hmm. That's you to it. Mm-hmm. So that's so funny, man. Thank you're in you. the right place in the right time. And Thank I definitely you. think, that, I mean, you're a perfect fit for those young children trying to explore life for the first time, you know? Thanks,
2: mate. For man, short-term. I appreciate that.
0: So, I like how you, you know, it's funny, you're the first person I ever asked that question to, how do you pay your way through life? Normally it's what do you do for a living. But, you know, living is in the moment. Paying your way through life is a necessity to be able to live more fruitfully or to live with more passion in the moment, you know, depending on what you want to do. Um, Whether, you know, we can't determine what our way of living is, is right for everyone else. It's just we have to figure out what's right for ourselves, right? And I think you do a perfect yeah. job of that. It's like, you know, I love my dog. I love nature. I love camping. I love adventure. You know, mm-hmm. I love arts. I love yeah. music. Yeah. With you know And you have to do something outside of that to, you know, make that occur more and more and more and more and more. And I think that's what we're trying to do, really.
1: Absolutely, yeah. That's what I'm hoping for is I hope that I get to do the things I love and receive back from them you know mm-hmm. financially that'd be amazing
0: that would be bloody yeah. i'm
1: just days. waiting for the call <laughs> waiting for the, the the call from the universe to say yeah and like no, now, now it's the time to jump to make that that was I, and, is and
0: that, you
1: know is, when is you that, know
0: yeah is there patience in that involved in that
1: i've had to learn it man i still feel impatient i i mean i'm the kind of person that would be okay with taking the risk of quitting everything, quitting your job like that, um, Mm. and just saying, okay, universe, I'm ready. Let's Um, do it. I trust you.
0: Interesting. I mean, this just popped into my head again is is The Alchemist, right? Paulo Coelho. Yeah. uh, uh, One of our, I think, most mutual favorite books. Yeah. You are that guy, you know, like on that journey just – that is you and we've spoken of this before. You actually tried to pursue a, a role. Has that movie actually mm. been created? Not
1: yet,
2: but I'm 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 gonna be there in that audition room when it does, I tell you what.
0: What what was the main <laughs> character's name?
2: Santiago. Ah
0: uh, Santiago Yeah Yeah and how would you, I mean, this is going off track here and this is not really quick fire at all for those listening, but I think it's important that I extract some of the goodness from your mind please, as, as much as possible. How do you relate to Santiago in the, in the Alchemist?
2: Wow, that's a brilliant question. I have never been asked that before. Um, don't
1: you love a new question, you know? Yeah. I just got to say that. I love that because I think what, like I'm tired of being asked the same old questions that's why yeah. what do you do and how are you are my least favorite questions
2: yeah. um, <laughs>
1: but there's a place for them i will
2: admit that anyways um i think that santiago and i relate based of our off of our uh, deep deep desire for adventure really really deep desire for adventure
1: mm. uh, he wants to go somewhere he, he has a dream and he wants to get somewhere and become someone and discover so much about himself and the world and reality and uh, innermost parts of human beings at the same time. It's not just about the geography, but about the inner geography. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, he wants to explore that, and I think that's our biggest similarity is- exploring both the inner and outer geographies i mean i'm going on a big road trip next week i'll be living on the road for the next two months two or three months wow. and i'm doing that to see beautiful places but also to be with myself you know and that's where i've learned the most i mean when i met you i was with myself solo and and I was my own best friend kind of thing, you know, which there was a lot of growth out of that time. Man, so,
0: that's going to be yeah. a hell of a trip. Are you going with your, your dog?
1: Yeah, me and my pup right here. That's Cooper uh-huh. right there.
0: The red healer. Yeah.
1: The red healer. He's amazing. That's beautiful. He found me at the right time.
2: Yeah.
0: They always tend to, hey, they always tend to, man. they all good things yeah. too. And bad things. Yeah. they all things do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So my man, tell me what, one th- tell me one thing i think you've already mentioned this that you're really good at
2: oh i'm really good at singing and i'm still getting better <laughs> okay, but...
1: i mean that's the first thing that comes to my mind and that's probably because it's just, i'm doing
2: it a lot lately do you have your guitar there um, now i do it's in the other room do you have any
0: do you have, any, do you have, a, do you have a quick can you bang out a quick tune
1: I mean I do I just, can, can you improvise yeah. a quick
0: can you improvise a quick workman uh, oh. workman tune oh, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want
1: to I don't want to <laughs> embarrass myself I don't want to embarrass myself on my first ever podcast <laughs> I know songs um I'm not I'm an I would call myself an improvising actor but I am so new to songwriting man I tell you you
0: can do this, brother. Um, Tune in. There's no pressure. It's just me you, and you. Okay. It's just me okay.
2: and
1: you. You want me to go get my own guitar? Mm.
2: Yeah? Okay. I'll yeah. be okay, right back. <laughs> <laughs> Love it.
0: Now, <clears throat> This is an ad break brought to you by...
2: Hmm, who by? Who's here?
0: Windex. Where we spray and clean. The perspective lens of your life, the lens for you to see a different life, to clear the mud, to break free of the dirt and the dust, clogging up your spectacles, and to see your truth, the truth of all, life that it is truly beautiful, the pain and the beauty all comes with pleasure. Okay. Cool, I just did a little ad break. Makes no sense, but they get it.
2: Amazing. God, what did
0: I get myself into, man? Here we go, (laughs) brother.
2: Oh yeah, the mm-hmm. go, Oh, yeah. That that I got was for
0: you, man. Yeah. Beautiful, man. I got maybe
1: struggles. I just need to. Maybe I need to write under pressure, man. Because I've never written something that good.
0: Fuck, that was awesome, man. Was seriously, really good. Thanks. So, hey. Uh, oh thank you, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, that thank was, you for having me really do beautiful. that.
2: That was really beautiful. Appreciate that.
0: Yeah, getting out of that, like stretching that level of comfort. Hey, man is, like, peering through that new, the new, the taking the lid off the box and just peeping through to see what the new light offers, you know, is, like, mm-hmm. that's, that's, where we, that's where we fucking receive so much. Oh, like, man.
1: And you, I'm reading about fear right now and fear's relationship to creativity. And, yeah, in that moment, I had this fear of, like, shit, I don't know if I can do this on the spot. But there's like a lot of power and energy behind fear, I think, you know, when it comes to creativity, there's a fear that is going to keep you from walking out in a busy street, you know, it's going to help your body to survive. But then there's a fear that's holding back your creativity that we don't need to stop for
2: that fear. Is
0: Is that the fear of judgment?
2: I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, fear of judgment, fear of failure
1: rejection they're kind of all the same thing in a way right
0: Mm. yeah yeah it always the rejection the judgment yeah it is and it it sort of brings me into my next question which is what is your biggest fear
2: maybe being known and it's Mm. what i want the most to is, is to be known um but i have a fear of people knowing my innermost part and yeah maybe that comes back to like judgment
1: and rejection like oh if you know this part about me you won't want to be my friend or my lover or in my life you know and i don't know if those things go back to childhood yeah i don't even think it matters you know i don't i've studied a lot of psychology and i think there's a lot of value in discovery your past and your personality but i think what matters more is right now like how does it affect you right now and how can you change it right now and how does it serve you right now Mm -hmm.
2: you know
0: so you're sort of talking about like what carl jung describes as the shadow the part the deepest darkest parts of you that are oppressed and and pushed down because of the fear of what others might think of it is that what you're saying Uh
1: Hell yeah, Carl Jung is my man, he's my right hand man.
0: Mm, what do you think of Adlerian psychology, Alfred Adler?
1: I don't know too much about him, I just touched on him a little bit. Um, yeah, could you give me a little a recap
0: so he, of um, I mean, what you, you just mentioned a little bit about his stuff? Is like, um You know, we talk about the fear of judgment. I mean, Adler's theories, I'm trying to think how I related to what you just said and why I thought of Adler, but Adler's theories are like we all are too caught up. He says Carl Jung and um, Freud, Sigmund Freud, were too caught up in the the worries of trauma, and they Mm -hmm. were saying that, he was saying we've just, they have created our actions, and our actions are leading towards a goal which have been beneficial. And whether that is, you know, a sabotaging goal or not, it's, that will always beneficial because, you know, that childhood experience says you can only be so big or you're not a good singer or you've got a small dick mm-hmm. or you've got a, you know, this yeah. sort of complex. Like, And so now our goal is to, you know, always dress up, always have lots of clothes on, yeah. Um, yeah. Or, you never know, take your pants off in public or whatever else. You'll always fulfill a goal. Yeah. And he says, worry less yeah. about the trauma I don't know why we're going down this path but and focus more on the goal that you're trying to fulfill. If yeah,
2: says. yeah.
1: I could be so wrong, but I want to say that Adler is connected to CBT some way, cognitive behavioral therapy. I probably have some psychologist friends that are going to listen to this and scream at me that it's so wrong or whoever the right person is. But it's all yeah, theory. like it, kind of being...
0: It not all theory, is it not all theory? Yeah, it like, is it not all tell theory? Me thought. tell me your Tell me your thoughts.
2: There's a, a an approach or like a type of therapy
1: called solution-focused therapy that I was a really, really big fan of learning about. And it's kind of like what you're talking about, um, focusing on the goal rather than the past. And one of the biggest tools for solution-focused therapy is the miracle question. And the miracle question is, if you woke up tomorrow and a miracle happened, what would that be? What would it be? Mm. Uh, maybe your your relationship with your father or mother repairs and heals and becomes this beautiful friendship. Or maybe, you know, you you write this wonderful song or whatever that miracle is. I believe in miracles. I, I think they're happening all the time. If you focus on that, um, it might be a better path to you getting there or to you getting to your goal or living the life you want to live. Rather than focusing on the past, I, I think there's a lot to take from the past, but maybe it won't get you to where you want to go. You might find a dead end, you know mm. that's what i found personally, and maybe things like psychoanalysis like mm. you know I'm not expert on things, but maybe psychoanalysis works better for some people, um, but for me, I found this dead end of like, oh yeah, um maybe I have this fear of abandonment, which like three therapists have told me. I'm, Finally agree with it. <laughs> but <laughs> are you agreeing? With Maybe I do, but
0: you um, like a big part of you was like using your psychology background and saying, "Nah, it's not that. It's not that." And or was it like a part of like denial because it was uncomfortable to see?
1: I think it was the psychology background and be like, "Yeah, I've read, you know, about fear of abandonment. I don't think that's me." You know, um, it sounded too cliche for me. I think. Like, I don't know. I don't think that's me. But the more I had it explained to me and see how it kind of comes up in my life, like that fear of judgment, like
2: the fear of you knowing me. And if you really know me, you're not going to like me. You're mm. going to love me. You're going to want to leave. You know,
1: so that's, that's abandonment. Abandonment sounds like a big word, but.
0: yeah. Does, does the fear, of abandonment, lead, does the fear of abandonment lead to your. Your greater fear of, to being seen, like it's almost like a contradictive parasite to that. Yeah. You know, like you're you're so scared to be abandoned, but you're also so scared to be seen.
2: It's yeah. like you're stuck in between yeah.
0: the two.
1: It's like you're stuck in between. And what, what I'm kind of bringing up, um focusing on the past or focusing on a goal or a miracle, is because I've done a lot of this inner work and. Um. I've become aware of maybe some things that are holding me back in my life I want to live. But that didn't actually help me change. What helped me change was um, focusing more on who I want to be rather than who I don't want to be. Mm. And perhaps that was a step because awareness is always the first step, right? Being aware of how you're acting, who you're being or what you're thinking or what you're feeling. Awareness is always the first step. Maybe I had to be aware of this fear or these patterns before I could know oh, this is actually mm-hmm. what I want to do and who I want to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I'll say that. Well, the next question yeah. is um, I'm sure you have got a lot of these. It's tell me your favorite quote. Tell me something that really resonates with you. A
1: oh, thousand, man. Um, but the first thing that comes to my mind which I actually am making a short film based around this
2: quote, is a Rumi quote, the Sufi poet. And the quote is, "Um, out beyond ideas of right doing and wrong doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. Hmm. Fucking hell. Mm -hmm. Pure, Pure acceptance. Yeah, pure
0: acceptance. Is that how you would
2: sum that up? Yeah, to me, it's
1: like, forget about all this language and these words that we're speaking that are causing us to have conflict and this,
2: Mm.
1: you know, this disconnected relationship. Let's forget all that. Let's go underneath words or above words and just be present with one another. My body with your body, my presence and consciousness with yours. Mm. And just, I mean, I can just see it. It's a picture too. It's a picture of being in this beautiful field and there's light and there's love and beauty. And that's where I want to meet people, you know. Mm,
0: that's beautiful. Man. I can't wait to see that short film. Will, you, yeah. Yeah, will it be online? How will we see that? How will I see that?
1: Yeah, hopefully it'll be everywhere. We haven't started shooting yet. Um, we were going to, but then, you know, COVID happened. So that all stopped. The script is written. Um, I have all my people. Wow! Um, just haven't shot it yet.
0: Yeah, that's going to be beautiful, man. I like that. Yeah, it's yeah. um, it's it's a hot topic at the moment. Like the interview that I was just on before this, we were talking about the same thing, um, mm. which is the labels. You know, vegan, this, that, mm. right,
2: wrong.
0: Mm. I, I did a podcast on it recently, uh, talking about dogmatic mm. health and how we're mm. actually fighting the model that we detest so much with the same propaganda, uh, the same model of propaganda, you know, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. speak directly to this. And I think I upset a few people from this view and, and the responses mm-hmm. that I got from my last podcast, which were mixed. One, some were really friggin' empowering and some were just like, fuck you, fuck you, you piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not, mm-hmm. not, not in that time. It was, I, 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 <laughs> I um, shifted that a little bit for drama. And um, Well, I
1: think, you know, if, if you're not making people feel that way, then maybe you're not living your truth, you know. They
0: do I say, always well, they
1: think back to Jesus, that. and maybe that's because I was raised Christian, but people hated Jesus, man. You know? They talked shit about that guy. But he did an amazing thing, you know.
0: Now look at him. He's the most fucking remembered man in history. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love him. I love true, him. What a true household name, eh? What a true household name. <laughs> he's, he's greater than Google will ever be. Yes, will, we, will we speak of Google in 2,000 years?
2: I'm going to say no.
0: It's a bold claim, man. That's a JC claim. <laughs>
1: that's a JC claim. I might have the FBI knocking on my door. If
2: you <laughs>
0: <mean>. <laughs> man, it's... Um, I forgot what I was... Actually, oh, that was what I was going to say. It was just like... I, I think it's a really... I think that's the future, dude. Is no matter what label you carry you present the same acceptance of others as you do for your own label, as your own category, as your own paradigm, right? Like Mm -hmm. could we Mm -hmm. love carnivores as much as we love our fellow vegans? Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Isn't that that love just compassion, true, dear compassion?
1: Yeah. 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 And it makes me think of this analogy that I really love that, um, labels are just like tools right it's a tool for our mind or mental construct to help us understand others you know this mm. it's just a way to help us understand each other a tool and a tool like a hammer can either help someone or hurt someone you can build a house with a hammer and nails but you could also kill somebody with a hammer you wow.
0: know you can either create or destroy that's so fucking true, say. man. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's a conscious man to you?
2: Oh, man, I've been working on this one for a minute. <laughs> <laughs>
1: a conscious man is not really a man at all because I think if you're truly conscious
2: of who you are, you realize that you're not your body. You're not just your body. Maybe you're... Your body is part of who you are, and so if I'm not just my body, I'm not just the you know human body with the penis and you know facial hair and more than that i, I have this consciousness this light in me so to be a conscious man is to
1: be awakened to that and know that um i'm I'm not just this, I'm not even just the thoughts in my head or the feelings in my body and my
2: mind and um even like this time and space, you know, Uh, I'm not any of that, that I am, you know,
1: that that's as far as I've gotten with this man. And I don't, I'm not going to call myself
2: enlightened or awakened anything like that, but, um, where I'm at right now is I know one of the only things I know is that I, I am, you know, because everything else is changing.
1: Everything else changes or can be deconstructed in some way with great
2: philosophy or you know. Mm.
0: What speaking of great philosophy, just you know, touch on that. What is what is a an area of great philosophy
2: that interests you? The two main areas philosophy of love and philosophy of power on existentialism too
1: i will say like what it means to exist um but yeah i i took this amazing course in uh i'm a university called the philosophy with love shout out to my dearly beloved heather ross you're the most amazing professor <laughs> a philosophy student get out for um yeah i took this class on the philosophy of love and all the philosophers that wrote about it what is it um is it a feeling is
2: it an energy is does it exist? Is God loved? Um, yeah. Mm. Sorry that, like... that that make that topic makes me speechless. Mm. It still does to this day.
1: Um, and then power. Uh, yeah, sorry to cut you off. No, but... no keep
0: going. And
1: power. And what is power? Uh, next, Essentially, and, so and, we'll talk about
0: that.
2: Yeah, power. Um, what I think about power right now is. Power is the ability, capability, to change the world. And by the world,
1: I mean your surroundings, your circumstances, um, your reality. Do you you have that ability to do that? And you can bring power into political or um, sociological perspectives, you know? Like, who holds power in the world?
2: We're the powerful, we're the powerless. Um, And I, in thinking about things like capitalism, socialism, I
1: personally think none of them work. I mean, we've seen pretty much all of them, capitalism, socialism, uh, dictatorships, all these kinds of things, different forms of power and and political organization. And they don't seem to work. Even like socialism, the most perfect theory, doesn't really Mm -hmm. work out. As perfect as it sounds. And so I think spirituality is one of the most powerful tools in finding power and giving power too. Um, I had a really powerful uh, psychedelic experience <laughs> um, a handful of months ago, and it was the most beautiful and mystical experience I've ever had. Um,
2: and in the end of it, I came out Feeling like I knew where my power was, I came out of this experience
1: saying, "I found my power. I know what my power is." And to me, that power is our consciousness and our focus. Because, I mean, they're proving this in science, trying right on psychology and neuroscience, biology. That wherever you put your attention, your focus, your
2: consciousness, um, wherever you put that, it grows. It magnifies that. Deepak Chopra says. Um, attention
1: energizes and intention transforms. So where you put your consciousness, you put it into the negative thoughts that are in your head. And it's so hard to get away from those. Sometimes you put it into that, it's going to grow that. But if you focus on beautiful things and I'm going to pull from the Bible right now, and I haven't done that in a very long time, but when the writer of like Philippians or something talks about, uh, focus on things that are beautiful and noble and good and holy and all those things i think what he was saying is like
2: if you focus on those beautiful good virtues and spiritual forms they will expand in your life
1: you know and they will grow um and it's not easy it's really really not easy to just say oh, yeah, i'm not going to focus on the negative thoughts in my head i'm good. No, dude, they're gonna attack you. um But that's why meditation has become so powerful to me because it's a practice of your concentration. Mm. I think the better you can get at it, the the more you're gonna find your power, and that your pattern, power is not scattered mm. everywhere or into several different things, or you're not even awake mm-hmm. to the fact that it's
2: scattered. But I'm gonna put my consciousness, my attention. Um, this intention or this thought or this feeling and
1: it'll grow it really will it really will yeah, we're that's the therapy that's the
0: same way attention goes energy flows the old saying as well you know yeah it's good. I like good, that man. I like that Deepak Chopra's quote that's fucking that's so powerful I'm just trying to remember that uh, so attention um,
1: say that again attention energizes
0: Energizes.
1: attention energizes intention transforms mm.
0: Intention energizes, yeah. intention transforms. Fuck, that is powerful, man. Yeah. I, still yeah, remember, man. Um, I still remember when I was in Slow, when we were there, I went to a thrift store before I was doing on going on to like a, a woofing stay for a week. And uh, I picked up one of his books in the uh, thrift store called uh, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And I read that mm. religiously religiously well, i had no i had like a sticky notes in there every day and every day i would just read the first like his um summaries of each chapter the seven spiritual law of yeah. each law and each law would be monday you'd read the summaries of each law that law tuesday would be this law through th- uh, wednesday uh, so on and it was the most profound writing that i had in that time and you know that was shortly after i'd met you and it was like a big part of that journey deep so deepak man Shout out to Deepak right now because...
2: That's some beautiful ideas, yeah. That are really helping people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Tell me about one thing that challenges you right now.
2: Mm. My belief in myself. My belief in my power, to to change my life. Yeah, I mean... My, my mind goes a million different places, but it's the ability to, to live the life I want to leave, live and
1: lead. Yeah. Live the life I want to live and, and to believe in myself and that, that I'm good, that I'm lovable and likable and wanted those kind of things like, like those relationship things I, i'm i'm really working on um because you can like you can know those things until like so, yeah i know that i'm lovable but to believe it is is a whole nother mm-hmm. game man it's a whole nother game it's mm-hmm. a thought it's just a thought but a belief is powerful man a belief can drive your life Dude, it, it really it. can yeah it really it really can so i'm i'm challenged by uncovering um those beliefs in me what am i believing about myself in the world how is it affecting how i behave and think um and that's kind of cpt right there is like what are you what are you thinking and how are you behaving um and so uncovering that and there's this great quote i heard the other day i could be a man who speaks quotes all day i swear that's good, man. Um,
2: <laughs> it
1: needs to be said. Um, there's this quote I want to say by Walt Whitman
2: in my phone that says, um, "You mind if I read it for you? It's right here." Absolutely.
0: And on a quick ad break, this, this show is sponsored by Deepak Chopra. He has had two promotions in the last 10 minutes. If you want to buy his book, The Seven Spiritual Laws and Success, you can see the link in the show notes, which will be invisible. You have to find it, and if you find it, you get it for free. Go
2: ahead, brother. Paul Whitman said, re-examine everything you've been taught and dismiss what insults your soul.
0: Repeat that, please.
2: Reexamine everything you've been taught and dismiss what insults your soul.
0: Hmm. Re-examine everything you've been taught and dismiss the word that he used?
2: Insult. Everything uh, that insults. Everything that insults
1: your soul. Yeah, yeah. That is, so that, <laughs> that is so I've been thinking about that a lot.
0: That is so What does that mean, though? What does that mean?
2: Ah, that means just like how do you how do you think? You know? What are the thoughts that go through your head
1: when you wake and why. up? Why? And why? And how is that affecting how you live? Because it is. There's just really <laughs> another quote for you. Great quote about philosophy and this philosopher that I really enjoy named um uh <laughs> I can't think of his name right now, but he says uh, we practice philosophy so that we can undo the philosophy that controls our lives. So, because we're all living by some philosophy or beliefs, right? Kind of the same thing, How, how we structure our lives, how we live, how we talk, how we think, how we feel. And so to uncover that and like know what it is that's going on inside you and that you do have the power to change that. I mean, our our brains are plastic, meaning they're moldable, mendable, but the way they are now, it doesn't have to be forever. You can change that. You can rewire your brain, your thoughts and recondition. Because um, I just I wanna live a life where I'm happy and I'm healthy and I feel good and I think good about myself and I think good about others and I feel safe. And I think a lot of all those things have to do with what you believe and what you think.
2: Mm-hmm. That's gonna affect how you feel, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's it, man. That's the key yeah. to life is like we just cracked it is just to be happy and be happy with yourself and with the life that you lead and have currently mm-hmm. led, you know, accepting mm-hmm. your, your path. Would I change a thing? And
1: you have challenged me. You have challenged me by that because we had a conversation of, um, several days ago about kind of being caught in between gratitude for right now, like this moment and what you have and who you are being caught in between that gratitude and who you want to be who you want to become what you want to do what you're striving for i've been all up in this area right like all up in the area of striving to do what i want to do accomplish what i want to accomplish and be who i want to be not even really taking enough time to be grateful for how far i've come where i'm at right now who i am right now and you really challenged me on that and seriously since We had that conversation. I've been focusing more on being grateful. What is now? Right now.
0: Now is everything, dude. Like anyone listening to this, like the the words are as simple as that: is everything is now. Mm -hmm. I am with you on that, dude. Like so far-fetched and still get it is – yeah, I get so far into the future and it's just a matter of having conscious awareness to come back to now because future doesn't exist. And a lot of the times we're creating the future based off our past experiences, which is this conditioned program that is running our belief system. So then we go to our past because we come up with all these memories and these experiences that, you know, live within us. Um, See? Our puppy. (coughs) That's, that's the universal sign To say get out of your head people And into your heart Because the heart is now It beats now It doesn't beat in the future It doesn't say in 10 beats I'm going to go a little faster It doesn't know what the fuck's going to happen in 10 beats And it certainly doesn't worry about what's, What the beats were like in the past And what the rhythm was like It
2: is just boom,
0: boom, boom Right now, right now, right now, right now That's the key Is it easy? Fuck no I mean, surely, if you listen to all these episodes, you're going to see that guys are still working on being more happy and content, which involves coming into the now, and you'll see some tools that help you. But that's the key, right, man? Like, that is it. It's now. That, that sort of leads me down to the yeah. next question, man, speaking of the heart. This has been the longest quickfire ever, the record. Because I'm I've sure added it's like 16... we quick still quickfire? I in quickfire. <laughs> and we're adding like sixteen thousand other questions in there, uh, so it's, it's really cool, man. I love it, and I'm sure I love, uh, I love uh, it the content's been like very potent too, man. So it's been good. What What does unconditional love mean to you?
2: Oh, no agenda, man. That was the
1: quickest fire I had for you right there. No, no agenda. agenda. I mean. To be a safe space for someone, for a friend, for a lover, for your parent, for your brother, for no kid, to be a safe space is to have no agenda mm-hmm. and to just to love you mm-hmm.
0: regardless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love this question. I yeah. love that question because it's just had such beautiful responses from all the men so far, man. So t- and
1: unconditional love is wild, man. Like, mm. Here we go. Jesus again. I mean, he let people kill him, him. you know? I do too, I do too. But in this, I feel like in some spiritual communities, or in LA, you know, I'm just going to speak for a lot of people I talk to in LA, He can be a touchy subject, you know? But
0: that's that's Um, America, man, don't you think? Like, it's it's very prominent mm -hmm. over there, and a lot of people have had bad experiences with the Catholic, Mm -hmm. you know, the rising of the Catholic Mm -hmm. churches and whatnot. But we're denoting a man who stood for great things. I didn't grow up religious. I, I was baptized yeah. Greek Orthodox, whatever the fuck that means. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should look into that actually. But doesn't denote the fact that he is a man who stands for very similar values of what I'm trying to do every day. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Love, love myself and like I think love others. radical unconditional love is letting someone do whatever they do to you and still still loving them you know and he Mm. did that
1: he really did that and i think sometimes in communities ritual communities we can say oh well actually it's okay to have certain limitations and boundaries and i love boundaries man i think they're so important but unconditional love is to let someone kill you i think Mm. i really think so and i don't know
0: fuck that's deep that's i love that i love that you go there I love that you go there. I don't man. even want to
1: claim. I don't even want to claim that I said that because I didn't. Ram Dass said that, but I think it's true, man.
0: And I love the authenticity and honesty just there. See, you just you've just keep, winning hearts. You <laughs> just keep winning hearts. Because you're being the real you, you know, and and you know, Ram Dass has truth, but like a good thinker will think the depths of what the depths of compassion really means. What is that? Yeah. Like, fuck, man, to love. Everyone unconditionally. What's your definition of right?
2: Right,
1: right. Because if somebody comes at you with a knife, you're like, Whoa, no, actually, I'm not gonna love you right now because you're doing that. <laughs> yeah. But to let like, you know, like, there's no so condition.
2: Fucking.
0: Yeah, there's Obviously no condition for right. me loving you. Like that condition, yeah. right, like that situation right there is like, You're coming at me with fucking like i'm not going to let you because you come at me with the fucking yeah. severe intention yeah. of yeah. disrupting the beauty of my life however the acceptance mm-hmm. of the fact that it was done regardless is compassion is like accepting mm-hmm. the fact that that just had to happen it's like ultimate surrender not in the fact mm-hmm. that you're giving mm-hmm. in and you're letting your life go it's just if it did happen and you're there on the other side you've surrendered to the fact that it was always in the process not only that Dude, we're we're creating theories on how the universe works based off our experiences and collectively having inclusive conversations like this to uh, intermix the experiences. Will we ever know what true compassion and true love is? don't know because we're only making it up from our experiences. But what happens when we pass over? We don't know.
2: You Don't know. Do you don't. have you
0: read the book Proof of Heaven?
2: I've read that book, I've heard about it, but I have
0: not. It's profound, man. It led me to getting a butterfly tattoo on my knee.
2: Mm. Wow, that's beautiful.
0: This guy was a neuroscientist, right? He was very atheist, grew up and ex- uh, grew up and uh, became a neurosurgeon actually. And he said, All near death experiences were a subject of an interaction with molecules and chemicals in the brain. This part of the brain interacting with that created this near-death experience. He was literally analysing the brain based on that experience. Dr. Eben Alexander, I think, Eben, yeah, or Alex Eben or someone. And he's like, yeah, this is what happens. That part of the brain touches this part of the brain in the near-death experience. That's what happens. It's not. You're not going to see Jesus until he contracted a rare pneumonia from Israel. And 24 hours of having a headache, boom, seven-day coma. Well, indefinite coma at the start. And um, he had this green fluid coming out of the neck. He writes about it. Like, they're, like, the surgeons are cutting through, like, the spinal cord, and the fluid is, like, dark green, like, disgusting mucus, like inflammation. And they thought, this is, this is so severe that it will never come back from this. Anyway, the book is based off his experience during those seven days. He woke up at the end of the seven days, but they thought he would not live and be normal again, especially like the brain. He came back completely normal, wrote the book to describe exactly where he went. Now, this is a guy Mm -hmm. who's atheist came with no, had no religion, um, followed nothing, despised the thought of near-death experiences and, and saying that they went to a spirit, had a spiritual nature. And comes back and writes the most fucking beautiful book and, and describes this experience of like, he goes, I can't even explain it in words. If I was to explain what I experienced in words, it would come back to this word, love.
2: Mm.
0: But he says, it just doesn't make sense to me. In a, in, like mm. words can't even, don't even carry a frequency to describe the beautiful experiences. But you know, mm. the butterfly was actually, I love talking about this book, man. It was so profound. And he talks about how he went to the core and he rode on the back of butterflies in this core. The core was the core of everything. And he didn't speak, but he met a lady there, this most beautiful lady who was on the back of a butterfly flying next to him. And they didn't speak with words. They spoke in thought and they understood each other. And they were flying through these rolling green hills and um, beautiful streams and nature and people playing down below and she showed him not to be scared of anything. She said this is this is this is life. This is how it works. This is how we understand it. It's not about He said it's not about, you know, what you've achieved or what you strive for. It's just about love. Mm. I highly recommend anyone listening to this to read the book. it gives me goosebumps, man. But the essence of why I why I wanted to talk about that was love, you know, unconditional love and like the butterfly mm. symbol to me is like pure transformation and that transformation is just accepting that like uh inanimate creature well it was animate but like uncapable incapable creature of like just moving on land and having very limited restrictions as a caterpillar to fully go into hibernation and to trans fucking form into the most beautiful colorful capable creature completely different isn't that the pinnacle of life like to go from an old self to a new self you know, we talk about this, bro, with belief system. You, have, you are capable. The butterfly is testament to that. I'm going on a tangent here. but
2: Beautiful tangent.
0: You feel me, don't you?
2: I feel you. I feel you, man. Tangents are important.
0: Mm. So, look, this goes into the last question of the not-so-quick-fire round, <laughs> which is, do you believe in a greater power and what does that do you?
2: Yes, I do believe in greater power. First off, I think, like your friend who wrote Proof of Heaven, if I could say it in words, that wouldn't be what it is. Or there aren't words that can describe it. And if I, I'll do my best. I think that the greater power i believe in is the existence of an energy in the universe mm. that is the ground of being from
1: which everything is from where everything blossoms matter um light mm. uh, everything in the universe comes from this
2: energy of love we call love um It can't be spoken, man. But I believe in it, and I don't even know why, but I do. There has to be something in this universe that created us that is intelligent, that is loving, that is good. I don't think it's a person. I don't think. Uh, I don't think it's the God that we've always thought was God. Maybe in terms of Christian understanding um but beyond that greater than that um i think it knows us i think it loves us i think it's in us i think we can connect to it and tap into it
1: not in a malevolent way but in a way that serves us in the whole
2: world um yeah that one has me speechless a lot but i would to use a label right now, call myself a mystic, meaning that I, I don't know what it is, but I experience it. Mm, I'm mystified yeah. by it.
1: It's a mystery to me. To yeah, mystery. It is, brother.
0: It is. I you the know, use our experiences to describe it, but the fact is we believe it. And whatever mm-hmm. we believe, you know, is, is our reality. And, and I choose to believe that there is something greater out there, some, something beautiful that's orchestrating us.
1: And you know what? I got one more thing One more thing to say about that, that I choose to believe it. I think that's really key because I could also choose to not believe in it. Mm. But I do a little debate in my head about if life would be better to believe in it or life would be better to not believe in it. I think that it would, life would be so much better believing in a greater power that is all loving, all knowing, and knows you and connects to you and empowers you. Comes up power and
0: change the world. Well, it's expansive, man. It's expansive. Yeah. You know, like why would you limit yourself in an unlimited universe?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: It's infinite possibilities of something existing. Like you look. Okay, I'm on an axis like the globe, right? Right. Yeah. I'm here. Just say right now.
2: Uh, maybe there You're Up here somewhere California
0: On the other side You look out that way of the universe You don't touch a boundary I look out this way I don't touch a boundary There's no physical distance There's no wall We only know that it goes 13.8 billion light years Because that's as far as we mm-hmm. See it But it goes that way too And it goes this way And that way What do you hit? Fuck man We don't know we don't know so. Why do we limit ourselves in this life if we live in a cosmos? Fuck knows how it was yeah. created. That is unlimited.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful, isn't
0: I it? Think, that's, think
2: of it like that. Oh, it's so beautiful
1: and daunting as hell. We're at the limit yeah, to the universe. So, but.
0: <laughs> so scary sometimes, man. like That's existentialism, right? You're like, fuck, what am I?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the idea... The belief of scarcity and limited resources can be really destructive to a spiritual being, you know, Mm. really, really kills the soul. I mean, we are spiritual beings, that's what I mean when I say that. It can be really destructive. And I think we can talk about different things. We talk about like limited resources on the planet, that we need to really care for the planet, and also thinking about an unlimited potential. And unlimited resources in the cosmos
2: And it is infinite infinite space yeah. infinite matter that we know you know
0: i feel you brother yeah. let's dive deep into the real raw stuff of your journey now um, yeah 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 let's talk about this and like i said we're going to go down we're going to go up the first question is tell me about your life as
2: unwoke and how it compares to now For me unwoke was living a life that I didn't know that I
1: could keep waking up to who I am or even knowing who I was I am today.
2: You know? That the world I came into is fixed, finite, scarce. And that I'm gonna end up one way and I'm gonna have
1: a path and I'm gonna get there. Mm-hmm. Like this finiteness to it is kind of the unwokeness and that I don't really have a choice. Um and I was born where I was born into a body I was born into, with a culture and society and a language, all this stuff. And I bring it back to power a lot too, and like from a lot of great spiritual thinkers, from the Bible to to poets and Ram Das and mm. some of my favorite speakers like Rob Bell, and um, um and there's so many, so many great spiritual and leaders and thought leaders out there that have woke me up to I am not victim of my circumstances of time of money of body
2: any of that stuff and that I actually do have a lot of power in me um and I don't even know the genesis of that I've just been on this path the whole time
1: and mm. we all are. We Maybe we get to different places at different times. Um,
2: we all end up there and I think maybe death is the ultimate wokeness. Mm. You know, it's like if you didn't wake up
1: now, you'll wake up then. <laughs> <laughs> That's such
0: a good way to put it too, dude. Like, yeah, you'll see the truth eventually.
1: Yeah, and I, I... I'm never one to, like, exclude anybody. I just, I, I get really frustrated and triggered and annoyed and, and enraged by any groups or ideologies, dogmas that exclude human beings mm. from, like, salvation or enlightenment, anything like that. But, like, we're all part of this together. and that There's not some special group mm-hmm. that has it. And you're out, you know.
0: Oh, yeah, it's really, like... That's the truth about right that.
1: That's not love. I don't think that's love to believe that love is unconditional and bringing everyone in. I feel
0: you, bro. I feel you. So you've gone from victim to being um, no longer being a victim. And empowered. To being empowered, for sure. Mm. That's that's mm. powerful, man. It's a good way to sum that up. And then in the, in that victim state of Asher, what did what did he have as his biggest vice?
2: Crippled him. What grabbed hold of him? What held hold of him? What Did he need to like fully ex- to, to fully feel life, or to be relied on? Oh, that's a tough one for me, man. Because I feel like maybe a few years ago I would have gone with a classic vice like um, oh, sex or. Food or or I don't know, man, what would it
1: come with, but um, I think the real vice for me now is holding on to who I want to be, you know, holding okay. on to who I think I am
2: mm. oh yeah um i'm Asher. i'm I'm this actor, and I'm this artist and uh twenty four year old American man living in los angeles i don't know just any
1: labels i think because any kind of label is really going to
2: keep you in that box
0: hmm. that's um, an interesting perspective uh, so that's so really tough wise, for so me. your voice yeah. is a label like you were always wanting to be identified as uh, this, that
2: yeah like it's safe to be in that label that box that
0: construct so what emotion challenged you most what emotion changed you most now i've got five emotions that work that that are predominant within man and that is anxiety shame guilt fear or anger but which one of those really dominated your experiences in life
2: fear is a huge one. And I think anger is
1: a close second. Um, I've been a pretty chill person my life. So anxiety is not a huge thing that I deal with more than anybody else, but fear, um, has really held me back and has
2: told me to stop in a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. kept me from expressing myself or being who I want to be. Um, and saying what I want to say and being honest and being authentic. And yeah, you know, because the fear is really telling me that there's this exciting life I want to live. There's these things I want to do, people I want to meet,
1: people I want to fall in love with, people I want to engage in intimacy with
2: or or, um, creations I want to make, art pieces, whatever. Um, and those are all exciting, you know,
1: but the fear is like, no, 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 you're going to be, you're going to be judged and not liked mm. for that. Oh man, If I cared about being liked for mm. a long time? I still do in secret ways that I'm trying to uncover, you know, and mm. change. Um, and I've also been afraid of anger too, because,
2: um,
1: the anger that I've seen in my life, in my upbringing was really destructive to some relationships and to my feeling of safety in my home and in in my mind. I've been really afraid of that. So people have probably rarely seen me angry because I've never let that out or be expressed. And I don't even think expressing anger is the right, still the right thing to do. I think there is a place for the emotion of anger. But somewhere in the middle of expression and repression, I think, is the way to go to dealing, to to living with emotions like fear, anger. Because expression, I don't want to cuss out my mom, pissing me off about whatever subject. Mm. I don't want to repress it either, but
2: somewhere in the middle of like, How and I think that it? having anger is really empowering. And when you know that
1: you have it, it's actually physiologically empowering you and it's telling you where your boundary should be and that what's not okay. Mm. What's making me frustrated or angry in some kind of relationship is is my I had a therapist that called it um a navigation system, GPS thing. Um, don't go there. Like uh how did she put it? It's just, it's showing you the way and what's not the way. And um, it's telling you what's not okay and what boundaries should be up and what red flags are going up. And, um, I I think it, when you express your anger in a way that is angry, like that yelling rage. at someone, rage, I, I don't think that's going to hurt them. And they're going to bring it back to you, hurt people, hurt people, you know. But there's a way in the middle that's like, not hiding it, you know, with a mask or um, pushing it down and trying to be the nice and loving person, but somewhere in between, of, I feel angry right now, and this is really frustrating me that this is happening, or you're doing this. Mm. You know that, like, there's that's somewhere in the middle of it's your dialogue, you're right?
2: sharing that. Yeah, it's dialogue. Yeah.
0: Dialogue in a way without the expression of that that emotion.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's 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 an interesting balance point because for for a lot of us, rage takes over. Um, I can agree with you on that. Yeah, like in the sense of anger being one of your things. Like the same with me, but it's like, yeah, it doesn't hurt people. Do hurt people. (laughs) Did you Mm -hmm. ever contribute Mm -hmm. those emotions to something from your past?
2: Oh, all the time. Yeah, to especially when it comes to anger, to people. Yeah, to people in my family. Um that this presence of anger and um volatility in my home growing up uh gave me really a, a lot of anger like I, I don't
1: feel safe in my home mm-hmm. this is not okay mm-hmm. um so that anger rising up and blaming it on this person you know i didn't know back then that their emotion doesn't have to be my emotion and then I can step mm-hmm. out or I can choose to not let that energy into my life or I can I can speak up or 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 even knowing that anger doesn't mean someone's gonna hurt me. And I think that's maybe a physiological response to that like someone's anger can make you uncomfortable because that maybe is signaling somewhere in our animal brain that I could be in danger right now.
2: I could get hurt, you know
0: yeah yeah okay yeah Yeah. whose love did you crave most growing up and and who did you have to be Mm. to get it
2: i think my parents i think my mom and my dad the most um craves their love i'd have to say yes i'd have to say yes um
1: and maybe my father more because he was less likely to show emotion and intimacy with me, um, and I desired that to a point. My mom was freely giving of that, mm. so I didn't have to ask her or try hard to do that.
2: But still, desired her unconditional love to love me as I am. You know, when um, I ha- I had to be, I had to be the person they wanted me to be, or be
1: the person I thought that they wanted me to be, because that's really what it is, is I think that
2: they want me to be a um, great student, um, good boy, a uh, Christian, uh, go to
1: medical school, to be a doctor, to make a lot of money, uh, to follow this certain path or mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, to to be that person, to be that son. You know, to have certain ideologies and beliefs, um, mm. all those kind of things, and I think I challenge you a lot of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a rebel spirit in me that is grounded in me wanting to be honest and authentic and true to who I am. That rebelled against that a lot. Still am in a way, but just detaching that from my love for them, I do love them and. Even though maybe I'm not who they want me to be, it's okay, I still love them. Because mm. they're not who I want them to be, you know? Mm. I think we, we get angry at people for not being who you want them to be when we're not that to them either, you yeah. know?
0: It's just a reciprocation of the same energy.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So if you start with yourself yeah. to just purely accept them for who they are, your conversations will change around the challenges wow yeah. wow man let's let's go a little deeper on this is like talk to me about yeah one of your lowest points in your life
2: and has suicide ever been a factor mm. oh that's a good question um I'm really grateful for the life I've lived and everything I have and all the people I have and
1: resources and, and schooling and everything, man, I'm really grateful for it. In fact, I feel really charmed by that. And there's, I,
2: I wouldn't say that I've had any dramatic low points other than, um, leaving college and being alone in Santa Cruz with
1: no like-minded people um, and feeling really alone and um, yeah, no friends or people I could talk about things like this with was really, really hard for me. And I had to go inward. And man, I went to a college where everybody was friends with everybody. So I wasn't used to being with myself and just to be with myself and to be alone in my thoughts and feelings. That was really, really hard for me and Mm. um that ended up up becoming the most beautiful thing because i had a really powerful
2: mystical experience if you will in that um but i want to i kind of want to name that as a low point and before college at the end of
1: my high school years um i experienced the death of my grandfather and the death of uh, my younger cousin katie who was 15 years old i want to say at the time i was 17 um she had died by suicide and that was
2: that wrecked me to have a younger cousin um die by suicide and oh man that wrecked me in so
1: many ways because i loved her and I didn't see it coming and you have all these thoughts of you wish you would have done this or that, or said this or that, that you would have loved her more that maybe she wouldn't have felt as hurt and dark inside. Um, that was a
2: a big low point for me. And I think I I have the, the thought of suicide. has come to me as a thought I've never wanted to execute it. Um, and maybe For me, in my experience, maybe it wasn't suicide, but it was wanting to be done with this life.
1: I don't know if that's the same thing or something different, but just really longing for life to just be done or to be peaceful. Because when the times that it got really hard, it's just like wanting to be in, in heaven or wanting to be in a place where there aren't problems or heartaches. Which is something
0: yeah, that, that you and I spoke of just recently.
2: Yeah, S- yeah. Back
0: to the gratitude in this moment.
2: Yeah, because I mean I, I
1: grew up Christian and so in that time I remember times thinking, I just want to be in heaven already. I'm done with this life. And it never got to a point for me that I ever wanted to hurt myself. Yeah. But definitely times where I just I didn't want to be living anymore. Yeah, because it got really hard.
0: I resonate yeah. with that, brother. I resonate. It's like, but your will was greater than your will to live was greater, and so the action yeah. never never came forward.
2: Yeah,
0: to truly live, yeah. man. To truly live, and that's the path that we're still yeah. on. And tell us about a significant moment of awakening. You know, was there something that triggered from those experiences, or what was it that just was like, hmm? You know, was it your greatest,
2: your great philosophy teacher? Um, are you talking specifically about the mystical experience
1: I mentioned? Maybe, but in that was, low point, was it
0: that? Was it that that sort of triggered you to go on a more self, just like a, on a on a deeper level within yourself to you know begin more of a conscious journey to being you know what was it, it might have been like when was it when you were seventeen you know what was that what was there a significant moment where you shifted?
1: Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it was when I was seventeen there was still kind of like an unwokeness to it mm-hmm. that I just was like, Oh yeah, this happens. And life has to be hard. And life has to have these problems and I have to be overwhelmed. Like it seemed like it was all caving in on me, but fast forward four
2: years after college, as I got into a practice of meditation, um, I did have an awakening moment and it stems from a couple things and I would say a big one was this verse in the Bible that I loved as a Christian
1: and still love today. Someone who doesn't quite identify or label himself as a Christian, but someone who's spiritual and a mystical,
2: um, is this quote in Exodus and in like the second book of the old Testament. So the beginning of the Bible, um, where this man named Moses who was a prophet for this early Hebrew people um, he, he leaves Egypt and his people are enslaved in Egypt and uh, he, I believe he
1: was a shepherd <laughs> um, he, he's out in the wilderness and he comes across this burning bush like a bush on fire in the middle of the desert and he comes across it, and this burning bush had a voice. And according to the tradition, it was the voice of God. And the God, and God told Moses
2: to go to the Pharaoh, pharaoh and tell him to set his people free. And he says, "Who do I tell him that sent me?
1: Who, who do I tell him that sent me to do this?" And the voice said, "I am." And later on, the voice says, "I am who I am." And I tell that story
2: because this voice, this like mysterious power and entity and uh, presence didn't
1: even really give itself a label. He didn't say, well, my name is Bob and I'm here to help you. Uh, (laughs) No, he just said, I am. He said, I am. And that had so much power. And for the longest time, the quote, I am who I am, has resonated deeply with my soul because it represents to me so much freedom to be who you are, to be whoever you are, whoever you want to be. If that is good, if that is evil, bad, beautiful. Um, And so that quote, I am who I am, has always deeply resonated with me. Now fast forward to when I'm 21 and I'm getting into the meditation practice and I'm meditating alone in my room in Santa Cruz and that verse comes up in a meditation that I'm doing. I am who I am, and I instantly feel my heart pulse like,
2: Oh wow, yeah, oh that's yeah, that's me. That resonates with me. And in this guided meditation I was doing, I heard that same verse said in Hebrew, which is Ehe, Ashur And in that moment, I felt like lightning struck in my being in I've felt this peace, this unexplainable peace and alignment with, oh, this is
1: this is exactly who I am. This other analogy that I love to give um, is uh, about like, if we were all musical notes, if I was like an
2: E flat and you were um, an F sharp, you know, we all have our own, let's say we all have our own unique note. In
1: that specific moment, of hearing that and that meditation and that space and time, I felt like I was perfectly tuned to my note, like this God mm-hmm. had like tuned me like a guitar to the perfect tuning of who I am, and I was aligned, and I've taken it as a gift of being given this name, Asher, because I wasn't born with that name from my parents.
2: I was born Nicholas Gianetto, which is still very Beloved to me, right? I love that name and I love where it comes from. But um, mm. in that moment of feeling perfectly aligned with who I am and on my path to being awake, mm. I was given this name, and it it reminds me of who I am, and it reminds me of my power too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's beautiful, yeah. brother. So from yeah. that point on. Did you you know, you talk about we talk about the unworked part of your life, the part where you were figuring things out, you think this is just the way life's gotta be, you know, you've struggled with fear and with anger. You've done a psychology degree. Was healing a significant part of your journey from from then on or, you know, during that period? And and if it was, what helped you most to
2: heal? What modality so per se? Mm -hmm. i've been an avid therapy goer for about six years now and that has been huge to talk about
1: problems in my life the feelings and thoughts in my life i'm a a huge believer in talking about things with people and if that's the licensed clinical therapist i think that's amazing if you have the opportunity if you don't have that resource even finding friendships and relationships that are therapeutic is that you can be honest and you can be authentically yourself and not be judged for that and say your feelings as true as they are, your thoughts as true as they are and someone who can mirror you and ask you good questions. I think that's a beautiful thing. If you can find someone like that Um, therapy has been really huge for me, Uh, meditation, the practice of meditation, I swear I'm an evangelist. For meditation and I didn't think I was one, you know, selling meditation to people, but it has helped me so much um have some kind of management of my emotions mm-hmm. that my emotions don't control me or my thoughts don't control me. Mm-hmm. That has helped me meditation has um have some distance from that and have some sort of mood what it's given me
2: from the beginning is a mood regulation really not being thrown by the waves of anger and fear and anxiety and sadness you know all this stuff but getting some perspective and some distance
1: Mm -hmm. those emotions are a part of my life but they are not me and they don't control me Mm -hmm. i
2: control the path of my life that's Mm -hmm. like my consciousness um so therapy meditation um just good books and speakers and podcasts um
1: and I would say those are like the modalities. And one thing that really helped me with my healing is learning to love and be grateful for myself. I think that's going to heal. And I know it's so cliche to say that love is the most supreme virtue or vibration in the world, but that love heals all. But it's true. You just don't believe it till you've experienced it, you know? know. And Amen, bro. i'm learning right now to just really love who i am and where i'm at and that that's really healing it's mm-hmm. hard and it's hard work and it's a lot of work and you don't get it perfect or right every day but
0: it is healing i feel you brother that's been beautiful dialogue's mm-hmm. been one of the most common responses sure dialogue mm-hmm. and i couldn't mm-hmm. agree more um yeah. actually that's one of alfred adler's um Mm. preferred methods and you know socrates even said the ancient greek philosopher he didn't write anything down he didn't have a book he didn't have anything because he said you know as long my teachings will live as long as they need to until someone Mm. else develops them better to adopt to that environment that new environment and he said the reason why i don't write things down is because dialogue is the best
2: wow
0: him and another philosopher i think it was I'm not sure if it's Aristotle or no, Plato was a um descendant of not a descendant, but like a student of,
2: yeah. mm-hmm.
0: of Socrates. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Dialogue bro. Point is dialogue. Dialogue. Uh, yeah. Talk to me about your friend group. We've got three questions left. Mm-hmm.
2: How oh, has beautiful. that shifted as you've shifted? Well you know they say is like The people you surround yourself with really have an impact and influence
1: over who you are and how you live your life. Mm. Um, I have some really, really amazing friends that mirror me well, ask me really good questions, um, allow me to be myself with no agenda. Mm. Man, it's so beautiful. There's no agenda. Um, And I have some friends that challenge me too, that maybe
2: don't think or speak like how I want to that's maybe um you know this isn't
1: living the life that I want to and so I feel fairly caught in between that of friends that love me really well and that are people who are like who I want to be like and uh man I feel at one with with the universe that makes me feel connected and one and then the other friends that I really enjoy too even for some other reasons, um, but maybe aren't as along the spiritual path, if you want to call it that, as I or other
2: people are that are living a more loving, serving, um, clean life. Yeah, and when I say clean, I don't—I'm not necessarily talking about
1: alcohol or substances, but I, I mean like spiritually clean emotionally clean like trying to be a good person and has this kind of cleanliness to their psyche and their mental world because that really shows man that really really shows and there's i used to work at this restaurant called cafe gratitude here in la beautiful restaurant and one of my favorite things they do and they still do today is um if you're an employee there, you clear every day. And I, I still want to clear with people. I think it's a great practice. And what that means is the first thing they ask you when you walk in the door, and you can do this with anybody, any of your friends, when they walk in the door and you haven't seen them in X amount of hours, is is there anything in your mind, in your heart, in your life that's keeping you from being present right now and keeping you from serving others? So many times I had to say, well, yeah, I'm thinking about, this person, I'm just tired today. I'm just really frustrated, and it's keeping me from being present. And that person mirrors you, and they say, "What I hear you saying is," and they say exactly to the best of their ability exactly what you said. And it's such an interesting thing to hear someone say your exact words back at you, like a mirror.
2: It's not like, yeah, I knew that I said that. It's more like you get to see it from a distance and perspective. Like, oh wow. There's
1: some kind of perspective you get when someone mirrors you like that. And then the second part of clearing is asking what you're grateful for. And they have a fun way of changing up that question a lot, but it's bringing you back to the present moment of, okay, I got that off my chest. And, you know, I'm grateful for for my mom right now. She's a really beautiful person, and she's been with me throughout all this. Mm,
0: That's powerful, man. I really love that a clearing what, what's another way that they ask you how you, if you're grateful what you grateful for
1: so for for them they change it every day and it's some form of a uh, question of gratitude and it could be um who has been most inspiring in your life or um um what do you like to do in your free time and all these they are all sound like positive questions but it's kind of like uh, priming you for that gratitude, you so know, like, like
0: sort of like target wow. areas in your life,
1: yeah, yeah. So, like, what in what rejuvenates you? I would say, Oh, to go camping in nature rejuvenates me and evokes this feeling of gratitude for that. Fuck, you know? that's,
0: so, that's so good, I love yeah. that,
1: yeah,
2: yeah.
0: What part of this journey are you most grateful for, man?
2: <sighs> to be alive and <laughs> to to not know what's going to happen tomorrow because
1: that's the adventure. And that's what we all really want, adventure. And adventure is really not knowing. It's the unknown. It's the mystery. Like, I have this plan to do this. I'm just planning on this road trip, and I'm going to go from point A to point B. And that's not going to be very exciting. But the adventure is everything I don't know that's going to happen on that road trip, you know? So I'm, I'm really grateful for the mystery because that's a true adventure. And I'm working on opening myself up more how that mystery presents itself because it can be scary and it can evoke some fear but it's going to make you alive more and more alive i I am grateful i'm like i'm like i feel really grateful to be on the opposite spectrum of maybe like a spectrum of
2: suicide ideation like one side is suicide attempt attempt you know uh, and the other side would be
1: total life affirmation that you affirm Completely life and you love it and you want to be right here you know okay. i want to plug this amazing movie that's going to be coming out i wasn't in it and i have i'm not gaining anything by saying this <laughs> but this movie that's coming out man. exactly i want to be in it i uh, know it's called nine days and it actually is a huge huge commentary on suicide it's the most beautiful life-affirming film i've ever seen and just look out for it when it comes out i i weeped and i cried for an hour and a half i'm not kidding because of how beautiful and how makes it how much it makes you want to fall in love with life and how grateful it makes you for life so look out for nine days that film
0: nine nine days
2: nine days is the name of the film where will it be
0: I don't know. Like I hope it's everywhere. Film, I really don't
2: know. It's
1: it's an indie feature film. I I saw it at oh. Sundance 2020 this year, and it was so so powerful. And I just I recommend everybody watches okay. it to experience the affirmation uh-huh. of life. So kind of to go back to that
2: to to be feeling right now, and then be feeling some affirmation for life that I really want to be here. Yeah,
1: mm. even when it's hard, you know. I really want to be here.
0: I'm with you on that, man. I'm with you totally. What's one tip you would give your old self who's just starting this journey?
2: That, oh man, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not doing anything wrong, saying
1: anything wrong. You can be exactly who you are and who you want to be and
2: how you want to express yourself. Oh. You're gonna be so loved, girl. I mean, you don't have to work that hard, and you don't have to force it. And it's gonna be beautiful, either way.
0: Ain't that the fucking truth?
2: I'm still telling myself that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, same, man. Daily
0: affirmations, man. You got it. You yeah. Got it. You just yeah. train that, train that thought process to just love you and just accept you and to be on that path. Yeah. With full gratitude, man. This has been an absolute pleasure, my dear friend.
1: I had so much fun doing this. I had some fear of being evoked before this, but man, it was beautiful and it was fun and drew a lot of things out of me that I didn't know were in there. So mm. thank you. I love you.
0: Thank you, brother. I love you too, man. And and this is one of those ones for me, too, was just very much like new and popped and <laughs> questions came from nowhere but needed to be asked. And Yeah, Mm -hmm. thank you for your time, brother, and and for you sharing your journey with those who really Mm -hmm. need to hear this because that will resonate with the exact person that listens to this and needed to hear exactly what you said because it is, you know, such a common part of of life is is challenges and and seeing how you work through them and how you continue to work through them is, is what's truly a gift to those who need. Beautiful. Thank you, brother, and thank you to everyone listening. This has been an absolute pleasure. Wherever, if you're watching or listening, doesn't matter, but I'm grateful for you showing up and, and do, do everyone else a favor and share this with those who need it. Thank you, Mr. Asher, Mr. Phoenix. Thank you, Luca. Take care, everyone.
1: It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it.
0: Woke man, bring love and just be I got love in my eyes bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love, yo don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old
1: self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be. Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.